Why are police photographing our license plates? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is the Reasonable Voices talk radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, and my guest today is one I'm truly looking forward to talking to. This is producer and star of Capturing the Flag, entertainment attorney Laverne Berry. Uh, Laverne, how are you this afternoon? I am just fine. How are you? I'm, I'm so happy to be talking to you. That's how I am. I, I should say a little more about uh, Laverne, and then I'll let her talk, I promise. Laverne Berry is an entertainment and media business affairs attorney. She was admitted to the bar in 1996 after having worked as a television producer and media business executive for 18 years. As an attorney, Laverne Berry represents on-air talent, independent producers, television and film production companies, and cable networks. Her clients have earned numerous awards, including prestigious film festival awards and an Oscar nomination. Before returning to private practice, she was a director of legal and business affairs for A&E Television Networks. She is also one of the producers for the new documentary, Capturing the Flag, which will have its world premiere at full frame this year, April 2018. So, I just love reading about you. I'm sorry, I just do. So, <laughs> so Laverne, um, my first question was going to be why um, or how, why did you get involved in capturing the flag? But, of course, the more I read about you, it was a silly question. Of course you are. You tell us. Well, it's not, it's not such a silly question because the way I got involved was kind of a backhanded way. I mean, you would think because I had been a television producer and film producer in the past that I was sitting around and thinking about a film that would be a great thing to do on the the topic of voter rights and voter suppression in the United States, and I would have come up with this idea. Mm. That's not what happened. Uh (laughs) What happened was I have for the past three 
presidential elections and for some other elections, have worked as a volunteer doing legal work around voting polls, Mm -hmm. just to be able to help people who were confused or didn't quite know the law be able to get in and vote. Mm -hmm. And so I was going to do that same thing in 2016 around the uh, presidential election, and I was going to go with some colleagues to North Carolina because we had picked that out as a place to go. And I was telling one of my clients, okay, hurry up, we need to finish work on these contracts because I'm going to go away and I'm not going to have any time to talk to you because mm-hmm. I'm going to be you know, outside at a polling place during early voting and working with the people there doing this volunteer work and I'm not going to be taking calls from you and doing things. And so that client said, okay, let me get my all of my work done and then three days later came back to me and said, I want to follow you with a camera. Wow. And I, of course, said no and continued to say no mm-hmm. for several days for a lot of reasons. One, because just because I work in entertainment, that doesn't mean that I want to be a star. <laughs> yes. Two, because Voting is a really important thing, and I didn't want the fact that we were doing a documentary film to impede on people feeling comfortable to vote at their polls. So I, I, I didn't know how that would work. I didn't know how they would feel. I didn't know if they would feel uh, uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and I didn't want that to happen. That was not the... It wasn't worth it to me mm-hmm. to have us be able to do a documentary and have that impact the voting process. Okay. Uh, and so I said to uh, my client, after saying no many, many times uh, over a few days, um, okay, mm-hmm. we can do this if we, we, the people working at the polls, can tell you to go away, can um, stop the videotaping whenever we think it's impinging, and can actually have control mm-hmm. over what's going on. Now, anybody who knows anything about documentaries knows that producers never want the subject to be able to have any control. Yes. Um, <laughs> so... I said to my client, okay, you're my client, and I have to advocate for you in the process with with all of us that are going down there. Mm-hmm. But two other of the principals in this film are also entertainment attorneys, mm-hmm. and they're going to advocate, advocate for us. Mm-hmm. So So it was a really kind of crazy situation where we tried to figure out the ground rules to be able to get the documentary done, but be able to uh, um, uh, protect the integrity of the voting process. I understand. And I also understand, uh, 
having been in television myself, I understand how people who are not used to being on camera can be intimidated in any circumstances, but certainly when they're trying to vote and, uh, you know, because I've been there with a camera at polls and I know uh, not everyone wants to be seen and so forth and so on. So I, I see the challenge. I'm just curious, is the client you're speaking of the director of uh, Capturing the Flag? Um, it, it, it's the director and the producer. Okay. Um, so Anne DeMera, the director, was one of the clients, yes. Okay. So, and we'll be talking to Anne DeMera uh, uh, on another occasion. But for now, I guess we haven't, my fault, I was so excited about talking to you, uh, but we haven't really perhaps explained up front what Capturing the Flag is about. It's a documentary that tells the story of Election Day 2016 from the deeply personal perspective of a diverse team of volunteer voter protection workers. And these people, these people like our guest today, Laverne uh, Berry, are volunteers who, especially in Laverne's case, being an attorney, she can explain the law but such volunteers represent the final line of protection for each American citizen to enjoy the privilege and exercise the privilege of their right to vote. I hope I haven't I understated or overstated there, Laverne, but does that capture... That's right. Okay. All right, then. So we. my question then is, um, three months before 2016 Election Day, you identified, or someone identified, the key states to watch for voter suppression. North Carolina, Kansas, Arizona, Texas, and Wisconsin. Why did you and the team choose North Carolina out of that list? Well, we were just, the, those of us who were going to do the voter protection work, we just looked at what was going on in the various states. We read newspapers, we went online. And we looked at what was going on and what kinds of laws had been passed. And we chose North Carolina because a lot of things came together in 2016 in North Carolina. There was a legislature that had changed some of the voting rules from the re-election previously. Yes. They, it, it's a state that has early voting, which many states does not, but it, it has early voting. And they had cut down the number of early voting days. Yes. They had cut down the places where people could vote. And then on top of that, there was a natural disaster because there was a hurricane that went through right before the election. That's right. So when we looked at all of those things together, we thought, you know, that's probably going to be a place where there's going to be some confusion. And it would be good to be able to volunteer there and try and help the voting go smoothly. Now, when you, uh, to be clear, when a group of people such as yourself, first of all, the, the your team perhaps has a, a good deal more expertise as this sort of thing, but uh, once once a group of people decide, okay, we're going to go out and protect voters as they try to vote in an election, what is the process of being allowed to do that? Because I know you met with some resistance. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. There, is a, there are a number of things that people can do. In our case, we actually 
reached out to local groups that were volunteering, that, that were organizing volunteers on the ground. Mm. And in many, many states through the, um, throughout the Union, they both political parties organized volunteers and local nonprofits organized volunteers. Mm-hmm. So once we made the decision that we were going to do it in North Carolina, then we started reaching out to groups in North Carolina to see who was, in fact, organizing people to do this kind of work. Mm-hmm. And as it turns out, this particular time in 2016, we worked with the organization of the Democratic Party, even though we were doing nonpartisan poll watching. Mm-hmm. It, it appears that our group will go back to North Carolina for the midterm elections. And this time, we're going to be working with a nonpartisan group that also does volunteer work around the polls. Mm-hmm. And in the documentary, you can see us working in this other nonprofit um, pro- nonprofit group working in tandem to try and get things done. But it does take a little bit of research, and I guess it's good that I'm a lawyer because I'm used to doing a little bit of research. <laughs> yes. Well, but the bottom line is you you did that research. You uh, uh, went through an application process, a vetting process, I guess, and you were there on the ground, quite literally, to assist every voter who asked for assistance. Did you find some voters resistant? I mean, did you have to make it clear you were not there just to protect Democrats? What, how, how did those exchanges go? Yes, um, I, I did have to make that clear. Voters, I mean, voting is important. Yes. And so if some woman comes up to you and says, hi, I'm here to help you get your vote, and you may be skeptical. And so it was very important for me to explain who I was, mm-hmm. to talk about the fact that that. I didn't care if you were voting for a Republican or a Democrat. I wanted to make sure that the process was smooth. And I had with me my 63 pages of North Carolina election law. Wow, yes. Because throughout the day, individuals would have different kinds of issues. Mm -hmm. And I would be referring to that law to try and make a determination about what they needed to do and whether there was still enough time to vote by absentee ballot or what happens when when somebody comes up to you and says, you know, my father wants to vote, but he's in the hospital Mm -hmm. or all sorts of issues that are real issues and important issues to the people that are coming up. And I was just there to try to answer those questions. Excellent. And you you mentioned that the, uh, there was another attorney also involved in what you were doing, but also in the uh, documentary, Capturing the Flag. Is that Stephen Miller? Yes, it is. Okay. And... How, how did you guys sort of divide up the work? Did you go to different polls? I, that's what it appeared to be. In um, the... 
Yes, we did. What happens is when you're working with someone on the ground, they assign you to places. Mm-hmm. So, so we were working in different places, which is great for the work that we were able to do because we were able to cover more ground. It was terrible for the documentary crew because mm. um, they would have to go back and forth and around to try and and catch up with us in different places. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I only laugh because I know what that's like, and that that's a uh, that's something, you know, to move equipment and get to where you need to be to get the best story, best shots, et cetera, best light. But um, one one thing before we go to break, I, I I'm just wondering. Um, how, I mean, there you were on election day, and on the eve of election day, did anyone, was were you certain and were others able to be certain of what the law actually was in North Carolina protecting voters? You know what, why don't we take a short break I'll, and we'll come back, not that I don't, I know you know the answer to that, but there a lot was going on in North Carolina before, as you mentioned, before the presidential election in 2016, and knowing the law had to have been uh, paramount, and having you there as an attorney, that certainly was helpful. We'll be right back. Stay with us. We're talking to attorney Laverne Berry from Brooklyn, New York, and we are talking about the legality, the privilege of voting being protected with an attorney on the scene, helping that happen for everyone, regardless of who they were voting for. Stay with us. We'll be right back with Laverne Berry. And now, enjoy Watchfire Music, featuring vocal artist Julia Wade singing Beautiful, from her new CD, Sunday Morning. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Yes, the Lord is greatly to Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices Talk Radio Show. My guest today is attorney Laverne Berry. She's an entertainment and media business affairs attorney, and she is the producer and subject and star of the new documentary Capturing the Flag, directed by Anne DeMeyer. And uh, uh, Capturing the Flag world premiere will be at full frame in April 2018. So we're back, and I believe my last question was, 
<laughs> now I have to remember because it was one I really wanted to hear from you about. Do you do you recall what it was, Laverne? I, I do. It, it was it was about um, being up to date on the law. Yes, and that that's a really important question because there were court cases that had been filed, and the final decision in one of the court cases came down the Friday before the Tuesday of election. Mm. So things were changing on the ground in real time while we were down there, and the law was changing. Mm. And so it meant that we would, for early voting, because there were several days of early voting before the election, go to the polls and talk with voters about what they needed to do. And then at night, we would come home and study whether or not any of the laws had changed or how that was supposed to be done and then go out the next day. So it, it it was an intense time. And one might say, why do you take your time and spend your own money mm. and travel to another state to do this kind of work. And I guess my answer to that is because it's work that needs to be done. Yes. And, you know, many people volunteer in many ways. They build houses for people who don't have houses. They mm-hmm. do things through their church. They, I mean, people volunteer and this just happens to be the thing that I do along with some of my friends. Exactly and uh, it is absolutely essential and necessary uh, the times are, are critical uh, everything from whatever is going on with paperless voting and uh, voter suppression in various forms, uh, voter ID and uh, computers that you don't know, people being locked up in places with the voting machines and what happens. I mean, it it is absolutely essential. I'm so glad that um, attorneys in particular and and video uh, uh, professionals are out there um, helping us not only succeed in voting, one man, one vote, but also uh, informing us that to how uh, we all need to be on guard and we all need to protect everybody. Everyone should have a right to vote for Pete's sake in this country, uh, you know, as long as they're American citizens. Anyway, okay, enough of me, but back to North Carolina being a testing ground, particularly after, as I understand it from, uh, from the documentary, uh, because the Supreme Court, in a five to four vote, really gutted the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Is that correct? Is that um, that is correct? I mean, what what the Voting Act provided for was a was federal review for changes in voting laws in certain states in in the United States, and that changed. And and so with that change, what we saw, at least from my point of view, was in some states more suppressive regulations about who could vote and how. One of the issues that happened in North Carolina was this idea of whether or not there were people on the voting rolls that shouldn't 
be there. Mm. And all and many states have a way to clean up their voting rolls over over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and but in North Carolina, in this particular county, what was happening is that voters who had voted for a very long time, who happened to have their mailing address the PO boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody was sending mail to their street address, mm. which was back undelivered, and then they were taking those undelivered letters to the election board and saying, this voter doesn't live here, mm. purge them from the roll. So people who had always voted were turning up to vote and they had been purged mm-hmm. through this action. So, so this whole idea of fraudulent voting, and which was the process by which there was federal review, is was really not the case. What was really the case is that people were being systematically purged from the role. Mm-hmm in a way that made it even more important that someone was at the polls trying to figure out what to do when someone would show up in that situation. Yes. So they were purging the, 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 the lists, the voting lists, yeah. illegally. Um, uh, well, illegally, that, that's the really interesting thing. Because in North Carolina... The law says that anyone can, within a certain period of time, challenge someone else's right to vote. Mm. So it wasn't illegal because that's what the law says. Now, maybe the law shouldn't say that. Uh-huh. Um, and and if the Voting Rights Act had been in place, maybe there would be a way to get federal review of that. Yes. But, um, but... Yes, it's a complicated thing about how one goes forward. And they were, in fact, purging people who legitimately had the right to vote. Yes. Well, I, the moment the word illegal slipped out, I thought, I'm saying this to an attorney, watch out. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I hear your point. Uh, one can make, uh, any form of government can make something illegal or legal that's their job to write laws but that does not mean that it is correct and that um, uh, and that it should not be challenged and I guess that's where we are four volunteers the four of you in the car in the hotel room at night uh, I don't know what you ate or when you managed to eat but uh, I know from the video that there were as you said it was a great deal of research review of the day what do we need to know so that we can go out and help people who have questions? This seems to me, we are the, the foundation, if you will, the foundation of our democratic republic, of our electoral system, seems to be hanging in the balance, and and not just in North Carolina, but what, how do we, do we, do you, do we enlist more people to do what you were doing? 
And and don't some of them have to be attorneys to be able to answer some of these questions? What are your thoughts? How do we move forward from here? I think that people have to be really vigilant. And I think that having more volunteers to be there to answer questions is important. I don't think that everybody has to be an attorney because we do do training and we do do training on the ground. Mm -hmm. And in fact, there were four of us and three of us were attorneys, but the fourth person was not. And so she was there right along with us, you know, studying the law Mm -hmm. to be able to, to be helpful. So as one of the people in the, one of my friends in the film says, she hoped, she was hoping that she would just watch everything and there wouldn't be questions and there wouldn't be Mm -hmm. issues that came up. That would be perfect to have, to go out and have a really boring day because nobody needed the help. Uh, Unfortunately, we didn't have that, but that's where we want to get to. So if there's somebody at every polling place um, in every state that's there to watch and see what's going on and and make it known that they're going to be there, maybe we'll get to a place where everybody where everybody just has a really boring day. Yes, wouldn't that be marvelous? Nice, beautiful, boring day voting for your choice, whatever that happens to be. I mean, were there difficulties with people being given provisional ballots? Uh, you know, where they expected to be able to vote right then and there? Were, were people challenged often at uh, where you were? Yeah, um, yes, there were challenges. People get provisional, in North Carolina, get provisional ballots. And there's some question about whether or not they should be allowed to vote. And then every provisional ballot gets reviewed in light of whatever the question is about that, that, about that voting. And so, yes, for example, those folks who showed up and had been purged from the polls, even though they should not have been, mm-hmm. they often ended up having to vote by provisional ballot. And then after the election day, research could be made into whether or not they should have been able to vote, and then their vote would count. Mm. So I, you know, again, having seen the film, I got a um, sneak preview before the world premiere, but I felt that uh, the addition of people, footage, for instance, of uh, uh, Reverend Dr. William Barber II, who, of course, is the very much involved in uh, the voting rights in North Carolina. Uh, and I, I thought that was made such an impact. But I noticed also there were people of oh, every description were coming up to you and others asking questions. And one woman in particular was uh, featured in the documentary Capturing the Flag. She had been coming there for years and all of a sudden... They told her she had to go somewhere else, and Stephen, I believe, met her and um, and worked that out. He got on the phone. He, you know, he talked to whoever he needed to talk to, and they were giving him a bit of a runaround. But he, he got them to say what she she needed to do, and she did it. And he followed through on that. 
and she was successful in voting. It shouldn't be that difficult. But comment, if you will, there is a place, a recreation center, I believe, where over 1,200 people showed up to vote on Election Day 2016, but only 598 were able to cast a ballot. What was that all about? Well, that it was a very busy place in Fayetteville. Um, and along with everything else that we've talked about, um, um, the changing law, the, the fact that there were more limited days of voting, more limited places to vote, a flood, that, that particular polling place is very close to a military base. Mm. And so people were coming to that polling place with all sorts of questions. Military people as to whether or not they could vote there, people that had been sent there from other polling places, rightly or wrongly, and um, issues about provisional ballots. So yes, when you count up all the people that came thinking that that was that their polling place or having been told that that was their polling place mm. and all of the issues that came up for the day, less than 50% of the people who showed up at that place were able to vote. Wow. Okay. And one more less happy thought before I want to swing back to something, um, the message I took away. You were involved in Capturing the Flag a documentary captures the activity in three counties in North Carolina? Um, it's actually in at three different precincts uh-huh. in the, um, the county of Cumberland County. Gotcha. And how many precincts are there? Do you have any idea? Well, there are many, many precincts, and there are a hundred counties. So there, so there certainly is a need for more volunteers to protect our yeah. privilege to vote, yes. All right, now, I've been waiting to ask you this, Laverne. Uh, one of the, the takeaways for me was, uh, you know, how do you get involved? I, I've registered many voters, and I'm in that sense, I've, I, I've been very much involved. But getting involved, and there was an answer to that question for me. It says, what's in your hand? Can you explain that from the video and what it means for all of us? Explain that from the documentary, Capturing the Flag, sure. What's in Your Hand? Well, at one point we go and we we go to a rally that the Reverend Dr. William Barber is doing. And he's talking about using what's in your hand. And what that means is we were able to volunteer as lawyers to, to be to do this poll watching because we have those skills. I mean, we have the skills of being able to look at law and try and interpret it and try and help people. And that's what we have in our hands. Other people have other things. I know that I've done this before, but you may have a car and you may be able to drive people to the polling place. That's an important thing. You may have a free afternoon and you can register voters. You may have an organization that you're part of and you can talk to the people in your 
organization about voting. That's what you have in your hand. What you have in your hand is the sum and total of what you are and what you do. Mm. And so you use those things to help the cause. Fantastic. I'm so glad I asked you that question, and I knew you would uh, inspire all of us who are hearing it. We, we want to... Uh, we want to realize the the real world situation that is captured in the documentary capturing the flag and we want to participate in that reality of helping people enjoy the privilege and exercise the privilege of their right to vote please visit uh, www.capturingtheflag spelled out .com to find out more about the documentary directed by Anne DeMar, uh, starring our guest today, entertainment uh, attorney Laverne Barry, but also all the things that Laverne has just mentioned that are possibilities for how we can be involved in helping everyone be able to vote. You want to find out what's in your hand and, and use that. Any parting words, uh, Laverne, from you? Just that the right to vote is a really precious thing, and it's fragile. So make sure you use it and help others to use it as well. Thank you so much, Laverne Berry, for being our guest on The Reasonable Voices today. It has been an absolute pleasure. It's been incredibly informative and educational and inspiring. And so, of course, we wish you and your team all the very best uh, both at the festival and, uh, well, in all that you do for all of us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye now. And now please enjoy This Land is Your Land, sung by Sharon Jones from the motion picture Up in the Air. This land is your land. This land is my land. From California, well, to the New York Island. From the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters. I tell you. made for you and me As I went walking Down that ribbon of a highway I saw the beach Of that endless skyway Now I saw below me I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Trump's tattered brand thrives by focusing our ridicule. Yes, the Trump-Pence administration is, in all probability, the worst rupture in our American dream of being a giving culture of global good Samaritans since 9-11-2001. 
But this trampling mixture, causing both political abhorrence and political stimulus, could have never descended upon us without the preferences of moneyed conservatives, corporate-induced recession, and write-ins for people who had no chance of being elected. Empowered by 2016 elections emanated from voters deciding slapping Democratic Party wrists would bring recognition without diminishing protective agencies, the Supreme Court, or our voting privileges, encouraging Jeff Sessions to douse the torch of Lady Liberty, re-dip our international standing in anarchy, and tip racial and gender imbalance further in decline. All, while Democrats continue to believe this is just about Donald Trump. It's not. It's our being myopically focused on Donald Trump, while, without headlines or fanfare, Mitch McConnell successfully lines up a succession of confirmed judges. It's Paul Ryan's escaping responsibility for the GOP Freedom Caucus. It's a religious fanatic and sexual bigot, one cholesterol heartbeat away VP, hiding in plain sight, aiding and abetting the undoing of American progress, waiting to fly in on the wings of Pompeo and Pruitt to wipe his feet on equality and justice for women, LGBTQ, and all not made in his image. It's the nightmare of every low information and non-voters providing infrastructure for millennials to blame baby boomers. It's the NRA member driving from Indiana to Texas with a carload of t-shirts that contradict Chief Justice Warren Burger's supreme interpretation of our Second Amendment. As inspired Founding Fathers' Bill of Rights inclusion to guarantee well-regulated gun use, not daring to incorrectly define liberty as the right to bear unregulated arms. It's voting like our lives depended on it, embracing the clarity of millions around the world in solidarity with 2017 Women's March, Me Too, Time's Up, and Never Again Parkland Students. It's about caring passionately enough to be respectfully involved with all life on Earth, or at least partnering with Western industrial societies seeking balance between being fed up with elections that yield too little change, and becoming stronger activists advocating for income parity, gender equality, racial justice, and recapturing our necessary exceptional essence. It's about being a positive global example, not whitewashing our crimes against humanity, like slavery, civil war prisons, Japanese-American internment camps, Jim Crow, lynching, Nixon's Kent State, and 21st century red mapping of the united in our American dreams for all born before Columbus, as well as all immigrants invited after Columbus, who ultimately generated the greatest generation. Let's inhale and exhale greatness that emits more than campaign slogans for demagogue worshippers, because to re-elect the land of the free, we need be in our institutions, mirrors, and choices an exceptional home of the brave, whose every action enables justice to triumph over repetitious ice picks thrust in our humanity. 
Greatness is what nations and cultures whisper we've earned when no one is watching. Greatness honors what corporatism's conservative puppeteers dishonor, casting doctors, lawyers, scientists, and football players as more deserving of financial and professional respect than the teachers who taught them. Greatness, like exceptionalism, is forever challenging those to whom we award our vote to prove themselves worthy of it. But there is no greatness in denial and self-deception, denying Alzheimer's until caregiving costs rivet our attention, denying climate change until Miami's underwater, denying unsafe food until recalls quadruple, denying addictions to coal ash candidates, opiates, and bullying, denying the existence of more flints, enabling the privatization of water to assuage corporatism's gluttony for gouging. Remembering Nixon's landslide re-election after Pentagon Papers and Watergate, best we focus our energy on provable impeachable offenses, but gently, without incentivizing adoring trumpets. Being unemphatically ambiguous about congressional truth is no excuse for unpresidential material projecting himself above constitutional law. Being more focused on Trump's monthly porn payment plan blinds us to, of, by, and for the people-Iran deal. America was not created by voting to die younger or passing on college education to avoid padding bankers' pockets or believing the greatest secret of an ego surviving on fast food, Fox News, and laundered money is a videoed urinating contest. Reason beckons the genius of civics, psychology of recess, and patriotism of people demanding action. Studentprivacy.org AuditElectionsUSA.org NAACP ACLU and WomenMatter.org all in peaceful assembly, knowing united we stand. Greatness is thriving together. America first is a house divided on steroids. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.